welcome. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Xenial Dome's Little Dome, recorded live at Aberystwyth Comedy Festival. I'm Gareth Gwynn. I'm Essa Sears. And in these editions of the show, we check out this month in Xenial history, and I've brought along a bunch of facts from October 1997. And I'm doing October 2011. I'm going to quickly ask the crowd, is there anyone who can remember what they were doing in October 97? That will oh go on right to the back. Uh, I was starting college. Started college. This is the thing about October. You're just kicking things off. Because yeah. I was starting my GCSEs, and you got to write on A4 paper, not in a little book. So I felt quite grown up. <laughs> Don't know about you. Did you feel grown up? Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what college is like. Essetiers, <laughs> <laughs> what were you up to? I was 16 and snogging boys. (laughs) That's all you need to know. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to go through some of the key events of October 1997. Hopefully, um, you may recognise one or two of these. Does anyone know what we were listening to in October 1997? I was listening to Britpop. You were listening to Britpop. But the nation was sad. It is Candle in the Wind. Oh, God. But the reaction to that going through the room was quite something. (laughs) Do you know that song? It's the biggest piece of bullshit ever, right? Steady on. He wrote it for someone else and then just changed the name. Mm. So for both women, okay, for Marilyn Monroe, whose song it was originally, and Diana, if I die, I want someone penning a song for me specifically. Yeah, I'll let Elton know. And, well, al- and also, if, if, if there's a song about me out there, I don't want my name being changed for someone else who's died. So you want your own specific song? Yes, please. It's got to be turned around in a week, though. Use AI. Can AI do... <laughs> well, do you would... know what I mean, though? Like, I don't feel like people are angry enough about this. Would you like to guess whose idea it was to cover the song and change the words? Oh, was it not Elton? It was not Elton <gasps> John's idea. Was it? Oh. Does anyone know this? Prince Andrew. It was not Prince Andrew's idea. <laughs> He's already got a mark against his name. The, it wasn't George Michael, because he was on the record, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. The Archbishop of Canterbury. No. It was Richard Branson. It was Richard Branson. <laughs> How is he involved in any of this? Uh, he phoned Elton John. Man, <laughs> what's wrong with him? Richard Branson phoned Elton John and said that lots of people writing in the books of condolence were quoting the lyrics of Candle in the Wind. I don't know what the other ones were quoting. Maybe Crocodile Rock. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a great songbook. We all learned that at Glastonbury this year. It's hit after hit. Um, but no, it was um, it was Richard Branson's idea. They think that the Spencer family had said to uh, Richard Branson, could you put in a word? Oh, so they wanted it. But it was Richard Branson who picked up the phone and went, redo Candle in the Wind. And he asked him to do the words. And Elton John went, Bernie does the words. And that's what happened. I mean, it wasn't a big task, was it? We could have changed the words. <laughs> I think ours wouldn't have been quite as... <laughs> Reverent? (laughs) (laughs) What rhymes with wind? Actually, I don't know. (laughs) Biggest selling single of all time in the UK. You know that. We all know that. Did he he make money out of this? Or did the money go to charity? Right. This is my favourite fact. 
on the Canadian singles charts, Candle in the Wind, 97, spent three years in the top 20. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, that's a pretty mad fact. And then I read a second fact about it. The song's unusual chart performance in Canada has been explained as a structural factor due to the relative lack of CDs for sale in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Someone comes around and goes, Carl in the wind again. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why were there no CDs available? I don't know, but... Because I mentioned on Twitter we're doing October 1997, um, someone got in touch to say, I was living in Canada in October 97. I probably saw the music video for Candle in the Wind daily. I spent October 97 listening to the first CD I brought with my own money, Aquarium by Aqua. (laughs) (laughs) But what a nice palate cleanser after Candle in the Wind. Um, Which had only come out in Canada the month before. Uh, It was followed at number one, by Spice Up Your Life. <laughs> um, do we all, we all remember Spice Up Your Life, don't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. The description of it, I, so I pinched this from Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, I really love on Wikipedia when they describe a song in quite an academic way. Yeah. So it says, musically, Spice Up Your Life is an up-tempo dance-pop song with influences of Latin rhythms such as salsa and samba. Noted that the song incorporates an infectious melody and haunting harmonies. Haunting. I have never thought of Spice Up Your Life as a haunting song. <laughs> what the Colours of the World, Spice Up Your Life, Spice Up Your Life. That's what scary spice is doing. <laughs> Sheet over her head. <laughs> Yeah, and then that meant I read about Spice World, and there I learned that Frank Bruno was originally cast as the tour bus driver, but withdrew after a security guard prevented his son Franklin for having an on-set photo taken with the girls. Oh, so he was meant to be in the bus, but his son tried to get a photo with them. Yeah. And then he was sad. And he went, that's it, I'm going. Oh, he left. And he left. Oh. Which makes me wonder why Meatloaf was hanging around on the day. Happened <laughs> <laughs> to be there. Yeah. Because I went, well, who was the bus driver? And it's Meatloaf. Yeah, I remember Meatloaf. Yeah, but it has made me... You know every time you watch a film and Meatloaf's in it and you go, how come Meatloaf's in this? I think I now know why. (laughs) I think Meatloaf hangs around waiting for boxers to go, I'm done. On the 4th of October, 1997, the BBC used the balloon ident for the first time. Do we remember the BBC balloon ident? Yes. Good. Uh, You don't remember what it is? This is one of the BBC balloon idents. Right. What's the purpose of an ident? So it's when a TV programme starts. Yeah. They go, you're watching BBC One. Yeah. So rather than just have a black screen. Black screen, which makes it look like a member of the royal family has died. (laughs) Uh, They have these. Now, um, what I have done is um, I have decided to turn this into a little bit of a quiz, which you're all welcome to join in with, and it is Play Your BBC One Balloon Idents Right. We all remember Play Your Cards Right with higher and lower. We're going to be playing the same game, but whether the ident was filmed north or south. So, let's start. Where do we think this is? Is that the Seven Bridge? Seven Bridge. It is the Seven Bridge. You're Thanks right. Thanks God. Like genuinely. <laughs> but 
Is this higher or lower in the country than the Severn Bridge? For those at home, uh, what we've got here is it's a picture of a, of a balloon over a, a lake of some kind. I think the TV programme needs to start soon because it looks very close to the water. <laughs> uh, what, what are we going for, higher or lower? Higher. I think it's higher. Some people think lower. That water looks cold. <laughs> it is higher, it's a Scottish loch. But how does that compare to these lads playing football? Higher or lower than a Scottish loch? Lower. Is that the Angel of the North? Oh, yeah. Ah. yeah. There's a clue in there. <laughs> yeah, lower. Yes, that is, that is lower. But how does that compare? Ooh. So this, for the people who will be listening at home, is the balloon above some houses, streets of houses. Presumably in the balloon is a pervert looking at people in their gardens. Be anywhere. I'm going to guess, though, because this is um, quite a while ago. People are saying lower. Just going out in the corner is Cardiff Museum. That's Cardiff. It what? is lower. Yeah. Oh, my God. But is that higher or lower than this one? That was Stonehenge, wasn't it? Oh, where is Stonehenge? Oh, where is it in relation to Cardiff? People are saying lower. What do we think? Higher. Feel free to share. ever so slightly higher. What are you going for? Higher. It's Cumbria. It's not Stonehenge, it is. Yeah, I know. Oh, what was that stone at the beginning? Put there to fool you. <laughs> I literally picked it because I thought I bet they'll say Stonehenge. This is an idiot. <laughs> okay, but how does Cumbria compare to. Is that the Amazon? <laughs> um, for those listening at home, this is a balloon sort of creeping its way. Up a mountain, I think. Where do we think that is? Hey, someone's got it. Really? It is Snowdon. Wow. Yeah. Or it was first. We say Two in Wales. Two in Wales. That's very yeah. rare, especially <laughs> back at this point. I mean, because the fact that they didn't even include uh, Northern Ireland is. Uh... Oh, they did. It's just I picked oh, one. Didn't... Yeah. Oh, so you didn't include I'm Northern Ireland. <laughs> I've waded through forty-seven of these. Forty-seven. <laughs> forty-seven of them. Yeah, there were forty-seven of those events. Oh my god. Um, there were. 47 five-second films with no people, and then they decided that was a bit weird, and then they filmed a load with people. Um, And then in 2000, the new head of BBC One said that they were slow and distant and replaced them with people dancing. Oh, but I found them really relaxing. They are quite relaxing. Although, there's one of just the balloon over the sea with the national anthem playing. (laughs) And it's like, oh, guys, the world's ended. Was it a real one? It was a real one. Oh, yeah. no CGI? Yeah. No, they CGI'd it in a couple of places, but generally they used a real balloon. Okay. So, yes. So, like the Google car, someone would have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't know what's more distinctive, the balloon or the helicopter that has to follow it <laughs> to, <laughs> to film it. That looks like it's trying to shoot it down. One other, there's one other thing of note that happened in 97, I think, which is that Thrust SSC, driven by Royal Air Force pilot Andy Green, broke the land speed record in October the 15th, 97. You know how I feel about records. But you only like a record if it's one that you want to break. Or one that I might be able to. So um, the one I really want to break is how many Ferrero (laughs) Rocha... It's the first one to say Ferrero (laughs) Rocha... How many Ferrero Rochers you can fit in your mouth in a minute? That's the only one I care about. What is the record on Five. that? Five. <laughs> no! <laughs> this was my 
my reaction and then I tried it and nearly died. <laughs> because it's Nutella, right? That's the issue. It sticks to the roof of your mouth and then you're like, you've got like two in your mouth. And, you're like, right, and so that's yeah. the, that's the it's problem. It's really hard. Well, it might be worth having a chat with Andy Green who broke the record for the land speed Why? record because, so, October the 15th, 1997, he broke the land speed record. Did it in America. Uh, and I was like, well, he was 35 then. I wonder what he did for the rest of his career and I wonder <laughs> what he's doing now. He's currently 61 and he is trying to break it again. His own record. His own record. Give it a rest, yes. Mate. Like you've done this. He holds the record. He wants to break the record oh again. Oh my god. Uh, he wants to break it in a car called the Bloodhound LSR. It went bankrupt in 2018. Uh, it's been bought. It's back in business, and he wants to get back in it and do it sometime soon. Such a divorced dad vibe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> With too much money, like just do something else. Well, he now says that he's going to break the net zero carbon land speed record. I don't know. Which I think he's moving the goalposts. What does that mean? Uh, what's the te- what's the walk it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> about October 97 now you know what happened <laughs> I, I hate stuff like that I wish you'd this this episode is now like Wuthering Heights it's it's a chapter too long you should have left <laughs> it <laughs> at Candle in the Wind um, should we make a start on now what's this October 2011 it's an awful month right, <laughs> um, right. does anyone here have any <laughs> thoughts about October 2011 before we start does anyone remember what they were doing or so it's they fairly were? recent but actually it's not it's you know 11 no 12 years ago 12 you did maths yeah yeah <laughs> 12 don't need maths to work that out <laughs> <laughs> um, so go on what have we got I'm so sorry guys I mean, if you want to leave now... Yeah, don't start now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still going to start with a death. Jeez. <laughs> so, October the 5th, 2011, was when Steve Jobs died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is he dead? Oh, that's a question. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> That's a question. I mean, now, and, and he is someone who they could replace with AI, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure by now he... Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> what I want to talk about, though, is not his death specifically, and not really Apple either, because we've touched on Apple before. But it's more to do with um, his wealth. Okay. Um, so when he died, his net worth was valued at $10.5 billion. I know. Yeah. Okay. Um, imagine all the uh, Ferrero Rocher you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he left this to his wife. So now she is worth $22 billion. So it's basically doubled. Okay. Um, it's like she's, she's invested wisely. Yes. <laughs> However, none of their children will fully inherit the fortune. She and her late husband do not believe in legacy wealth building, something that Jobs' children are aware of. And she says, I inherited my wealth from my husband, who didn't care about the accumulation of wealth. I'm not interested in legacy wealth building, and my children know that. Um, If I live long enough, it ends with me. I mean, reading between the lines, (laughs) one of the kids has a Samsung phone, haven't they? (laughs) 
Yankees what's happening here? I think I think someone was a fan of Windows. <laughs> but I want to talk about this because I find it fascinating. Like, and it's not just him who who's done this. Mm. Like, um. Uh, I was going to say Phil Gates. <laughs> Phil Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates. Um, they're doing the same, right? They're okay. not giving any money to their kids. They've decided that all their money stops with them and then it will just go to charity. Like, but the fact that his wife says that the kids are getting nothing, but she has it right now. Right, yeah. So she hasn't said suddenly, oh, it... You know, it ends with me. So she's going to enjoy this money as much as she can. And then when she dies, that is it. So what are they going to do? Burn it like the KLF? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what would you do if you had loads of money? Um, would, where's, actually, where is your money going? Who's, who's getting stuff when you die? I mean, what people are going to get when I die is a lot of cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> of... <laughs> They're going to get VHS videos of BBC iDebts. <laughs> <laughs> the National Lottery Live. <laughs> I think, you know how people um, have their wealth stored in wine? Yes. Mine is stored in cassettes of programmes that really are of interest to a very small sure. group of people. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm in your will, but let me just say this now on the record. I do not want your cassettes. You do- <laughs> Neither do charity shops or Brecon Recycling. <laughs> so is this a very way of you wanting me to ask you what's in your will? No, I don't, I don't really... I haven't got a will. Which is very, oh, it's really, um, what's the word? Irresponsible. Right. Because I have kids. And I don't know if there's a part of me that wants them to fight over stuff. (laughs) 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 Maybe that's the vibe. What you should put in your will is that you want them to have Bill Gates' money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, this is a really weird one. I don't know if you're into celebrity gossip. I'm not. But I just, I don't know. I remember this being quite a big news story at the time. So... Former NBA player Chris Humphreys and reality star, entrepreneur and billionaire Kim Kardashian um, filed for divorce after 72 days of marriage. I had the vaguest Mm. memory of this. And he accused her of, like, faking it. Faking? For her marriage. As in, the marriage was legit, but that she had just married him for content and for, like... Her show and stuff, yeah. It's quite early days of content. It is, isn't it? But um, I just, I just wanted to know, like, seventy-two days of marriage. Yeah. Like it just feels like, surely that's still the honeymoon period. What's gone wrong there? Like, is it just her? Is is she just the issue here? Like, she's awful, isn't she? She's really awful. I I mean, I I wonder if he went. So what happens to the billion dollars in the will? (laughs) And she said. I refer you to Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if these stories are more closely related than they at first appear. So, are you done for October 2011? Is there anything That's else? That's such a leading question. I yes, I'm done. I'm done. I know they didn't like release us some sweets or something? No. Well, if you listen to the podcast and you know anything interesting that happened in October 2011, get in touch. You can email zenialdomahotmail.com. And if, uh, if they do find something better, maybe we re-record it. <laughs> <laughs> you can tweet at the Zenialdome, Instagram Zenialdome, and what's our TikTok? I set it up like three days ago. And the whole experience has made me feel like my mum. <laughs> At 
Yeah. The. Yeah. Dot. Zaniel. Dot. Done. Great. Thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for being in the audience here at Average City Comedy Festival. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs>